Welcome to a bonus episode of the Lasting Learning Podcast. On these bonus episodes, I'm hoping to be able to share with you blog posts that have been written in years prior. I know not everybody has time to go track down blogs, especially those written years ago. So through this podcast, my goal is to share them with you in audio form. So whether you're driving to work, driving to the grocery store, mowing the lawn, or falling asleep, you can have access to some of my thoughts from years past. Each of these episodes will be 10 minutes or less. So sit back, enjoy, and learn from the Lasting Learning Podcast bonus episodes. This is Choose Your Hill, originally published on November 2nd, 2017. Have you read Escaping the School Leader's Dunk Tank by Rebecca Coda and Rick Jetter? It's a powerful book put out by Dave Burgess Publishing, outlining strategies that school leaders can take to maneuver the increasingly complex and political world surrounding schools today. Although designated primarily for positional leaders, I'm here to tell you all educators are leaders and as such must know how to survive. We read all over the media these days that new teachers are leaving the profession in record numbers. There are teacher shortages in every state as current schools and districts search high and low for people willing to take on this rewarding, yet draining profession. New teachers enter the profession fresh out of college, filled with visions of changing destinies, instilling hope to the hopeless, and bringing about a new generation of world beaters, only to abandon their dream, beaten down by the same world they're trying to change. I'm currently in my 18th year of education. With a two-year-old child still in my house, it's fair to say I'll need to keep working for at least another 20 years. This far into my chosen career, I don't have the luxury to simply pack up and try something new. Lucky for me, that won't be needed because I love my job and I've learned the secret to longevity. I now know that not every hill is worth dying on, yet some are, and those hills are the ones that renew my commitment and passion. They don't dampen it. As a new teacher two decades ago, I was ready to set the world on fire. I came to work every day relishing in what some would describe as hero worship, as hundreds of 12-year-olds hung on my every word in the middle of my classroom. It's crazy how big my ego was able to swell, simply because I was able to entertain some pre-teens who felt like I was the smartest person on earth. Because of that, I often felt invincible and felt like That same competence that I brought to the classroom for my students should be accepted just as openly by the adult I encountered daily. Boy, was I wrong. My own arrogance and belief in myself caused me to live and work on an island, fighting for principles that I held true. Every single principle. Within a few years, that arrogance really began to swell. In my first two years of teaching, I played on my lack of experience to develop practices that I thought were founded on logic and wisdom. But by year three, Those same practices and many new procedures and policies were no longer based on logic, but instead on what was best for me. When I began with the best of intentions to help students quickly morphed into what was best for me. My reputation as a teacher slowly shifted from one where I was innovative and fun to one where I was seen as strict and unbending. I no longer debated ideas, but simply believed that my way was the way. After all, my way worked for my first two years It would continue to work every year after. If it didn't, the fault couldn't be mine. The blame had to go to the kids, the parents, the community, the ineffective teachers who taught around me, and any other scapegoat I could manufacture. As a matter of fact, after my third year of teaching, after having completed my master's degree, I was ready to go out and become an administrator in my own school. 
There was one problem. Nobody else was as ready as I was. During that one year, the summer of 2003, I went on 16 job interviews. Yes, 16. And I did not get a single offer. Now, a sane, reflective, mature individual would have reflected on those experiences and questioned himself and what he needed to improve upon. Not me. I mean, I knew it all. Those schools I'd interviewed with were just missing out and they had no idea what they had passed on. The fault was theirs, not mine. At least, that's what I told myself. I went back into my classroom bitter that fall, frustrated to be back in a classroom instead of sitting in an office, creating the world's best school. When a visitor stopped by, who offered me two pieces of advice that would change the direction of my career and my life. The visitor was the HR director in my district. He was an honest, straight shooter who the kids often saw as fair and the adults saw as wisdom and flesh. That fall, he was asked to fill in as an administrator for a few weeks in my building. The previous spring, I had met him, Jerry, at a school function expressed to him my desire to set the world on fire. See me, seeing me back in my classroom that fall, he decided to stop by and provide a little guidance to me. He popped into my room the first week back and said very directly, I'm not surprised to see you back here. What? That was rude. Most would expect him to offer condolences and possibly some false sympathy. Nope, not Jerry. He got right to the point. He said, I bet you knew all the answers on to every question you were asked on every interview you went on, am I right? Of course he was right. That was the point of an interview. My job was to show those who were hiring that I was the smartest person around and I should get the job. But of course I didn't say all that. Instead, I simply nodded my head. His response was exactly what I needed. Jerry walked up next to me, put his hand on my shoulder and said, and that's why you didn't get the job. What Jerry and I went on to discuss for the next hour was the idea that knowledge should never get someone a job. He cautioned me to remember that when he, he cautioned me to remember that when I got a leadership position. He explained it by saying my head should make the paperwork that gets me the interview. My heart should drive my interview that gets me the job. Far too often in schools, we think our job is to have the answers. We think we're supposed to be the know-it-alls. In our classroom, we teach from bell to bell without ever taking a break to breathe, let alone to hear from our students. At parent-teacher conferences, we spend 15 minutes telling parents all that's wrong with their child and what they need to do to fix it. We fight new fads, new research, new leaders, and anybody else who does things differently than we do. We think our way is the best way, simply because it's worked for us when we were children, or worse yet, because it's better for us as teachers today. What Jerry told me that day is that leadership comes from the heart. It's about being a servant that is constantly on the hunt for how to support others. Because we're on the hunt to serve, we don't know it all. Our job is to make others feel smarter, to make others feel stronger. Our job is to help others be the best they can be, not just what we want them to be. He went on to say my job as a teacher was not to work towards my next professional step. My job was to do the best I could, where I was, instead of always trying to position myself to be perceived as someone I wasn't. In other words, quit trying to work for the next job and start focusing on just being the best I could be at my current job. To do that, I should start working on making my students as well as fellow teachers leave me always feeling smarter, stronger, more confident, more competent. What I had been doing was worrying so much about making sure everyone else thought that I was smart and strong that I often created battles that weren't worth fighting. Here's the irony of that advice. Well, first of all, it was a godsend and revolutionary for me. So much so that after speaking to Jerry, I decided that administration and school leadership maybe just wasn't for me. I remember thinking he was exactly right. I needed to make peace with staying in my classroom for the next 30 years. 
I worked every day on making sure my students heard and believed that they were smart, they were kind, and they were loved. I attempted to find the needs of my peers that I could support. I did all I could just to serve. And guess what happens? Well, now I'm in my 10th year as a building administrator. I've spoken to more than 50,000 educators across the country. I've written books that are read in every single state because I realized that not every fight needs to be fought. I was able to support others more freely and begin to focus in on the fights that need to be won. Today, I'm known as a disruptor. I'm seen as someone who questions the status quo and challenges other teachers to grow and change the systems that they're a part of. I've been given a platform to push both change in leadership and teacher practice. Others look to me for answers and ask for my opinions, not because I think I'm smarter than them, but because I believe they see the conviction and passion that I possess for the few areas I attempt to address and change. Sure, I could go into schools and question their student discipline process, their school lunch choices, their transportation zones, or, or even the cleanliness of their bathrooms. There's a lot that I could attempt to address. But that's not how real change and where real leadership begins. My job is to celebrate educators, to cheer them on, to help them feel like superheroes. By deciding not to fight on every hill, I'm able to focus in on which hills I'm willing to die on. For those of you that know me, you know what my causes are and what gets me going. For those of you that don't, I can assure you, your school's tardy policy and dress code are not among them. Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you did, feel free to keep listening by subscribing right now to the Lasting Learning Podcast and get new episodes as soon as they're released. Interested in knowing more about me, Dave Schmidow? Well, feel free to find out what makes me tick by reading one of my books, Bold Humility or It's Like Riding a Bike. Feel free to check them both out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or directly on my website, schmidow.net. That's S-C-H-M-I-T-T-O-U dot net.